0: What's good boys and girls, Two-Footed Podcast on Thursday, the 10th of March, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network, allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're normally geoblocked from. If you're a UK expat, that could be BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, or all four. A Liberty Shield VPN will get you where you want to go while keeping your data safe. Go to libertyshield.com and use the code router50 to get 50% off at checkout. That's libertyshield.com router50 for a half price router from Liberty Shield. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check at homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, uh, we have a very unusual day. Chelsea Football Club are in a spot of bother. Roman Abramovich has officially been sanctioned by the UK government and his assets have been frozen. Those assets include Chelsea Football Club and the holding company to whom Chelsea owe £1.5 billion. They have been issued a licence which allows them to fulfil fixtures, pay staff, pay players, but do very, very little else. So what we know at the moment is that Chelsea cannot sign players, they cannot sell players, They can now obviously those things can't happen to the transfer window anyway, but we don't know how long this is going to go on for. They cannot extend the contracts of current players. So Rüdiger, Christensen, and Aspilaqueta, any contract negotiations with them are out the window. And those players will likely leave Chelsea now. It would seem very, very possible that Chelsea could be in a lot of trouble here. Now, different people have had different takes. And obviously, you can look for whatever take you want and you will find someone who will back you up. But I'll go with Ed Thompson. For those who don't know Ed, he runs financialfairplay.co.uk. He is not one for hot takes. He is not one for hyperbole or propaganda. What he has said, the Chelsea FC holding company owes Roman Abramovich $1.5 That's now frozen. And I believe he can't write it off at this time, even if he wants to. So no one will buy the club with that hanging over it. The club is loss-making. So for what it's worth, I expect the club to go into administration. He follows that up with, it's worth remembering when Saints holding company, that's Southampton Football Club holding company, went into administration, the club had a points deduction. Barring some bizarre arrangement between Abramovich and the government, it's hard to see that frozen $1.5 billion debt to Roman Abramovich in Fordstum Limited, that's the company that Chelsea owed the money to, ending well. Fordston Ford Limited also have had their assets and procedures frozen. Chelsea, for away fixtures, are not allowed to spend more than £20,000 to cover everything. Now, they're due to play Lille in France next week. They can't spend more than twenty grand to get there. They're going to bring a party of, you'd assume, around 35 people when you factor in playing staff, coaching staff medical staff, kit staff, whoever else goes. 20 grand won't go a long way in getting all of those people to and from Lille. When you factor travel, coaches, accommodation, food and beverages. Ryanair. Ryanair are going to be flying Chelsea. I know I shouldn't laugh, but I have to. Ryanair are about to make some bank off of Chelsea. Other things Chelsea cannot do. Sell merchandise. The club shop has now been closed. They cannot sell match tickets. So unless you're a season ticket holder or already already own a ticket for an upcoming Chelsea game, you cannot attend. And here's the funniest part. It's long been told of that Chelsea's season ticket numbers were fake. Very similar to Manchester City, that a lot of their season ticket holders are figments of the club's imagination. So we may well see Stamford Bridge with 15,000, 20,000 people inside. A half-empty stadium for a club that appears to be on the brink of potential doom. Matthew Saeed, another one, not known for hyperbole, not known for hot takes, not known for going above and beyond the facts of the matter, shared a clip from back in 2013 when he was on Sky Sports talking to Jim White and that doyen of information, Tony Cascarino. And he spoke about why Abramovich bought Chelsea. And the reason Abramovich bought Chelsea in in 2003 was to protect himself from the reach of Vladimir Putin. At that time, Putin was going after a lot of the oligarchs. The reason he was going after them is because all of them, including Abramovich, had made a deal with Boris Yeltsin in the 90s to buy the mineral rights, oil, natural gas, whatever else, in Russia at well below... Market value they backed Yeltsin politically, he gave them leeway to basically steal the wealth of the Russian people. This is not speculation, this is something that was admitted in court by Abramovich's lawyer. That this deal was made with Yeltsin. Abramovich was worried about his wealth, about his well being, bought Chelsea as a very visible UK asset, to protect himself. He has poured money into that club to buy goodwill, to buy protection, and to buy himself a little bit of glamour and success. But he has not done so for selfless reasons. He has not done so because of a love of the game or a love of Chelsea Football Club. He may have come to love Chelsea Football Club, though I still find that questionable, but he did it for selfish reasons. And what we're seeing now is the intricate web that he's woven over the years starting to become unraveled. Chelsea are in major trouble here. Major trouble. And these sanctions, we don't know how long they'll last. They could go on well beyond the summer. The club can't be sold at the moment. The government have confirmed that right now Chelsea Football Club cannot be sold. There has been some suggestion that the government could oversee the sale and then freeze the money from the sale. Now ask yourself the following questions. Which reputable businessman wants to be seen involved in this kind of deal and which reputable businessman then wants the legal headache of potential legal action from Abramovich after sanctions are lifted over that 1.5 billion which he says now he doesn't want but if he's not getting the 3 billion he does want If the government take that money and say you can't have that, then he's gonna want his other money back. So who's going to buy Chelsea right now? I would imagine that most of the interest has dried up very, very quickly. The best take I've seen today about the entire thing is actually from Eddie Gibbs. I would think as soon as statement one. This is what Eddie said to me. I would think as soon as statement one, which was the care and custody of Chelsea going to the charitable, to the stewards, that the stewardship would be handed over to the Chelsea Foundation. Roman had been told this was coming. So he realized he had to do something or lose the club. So he tried to push this stewardship thing. And the steward, the the potential stewards pushed back and said, no, 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 we're not getting involved here. As soon as that happened, statement two came out. He's selling the club. He was probably told at that time he had six to eight weeks sorry, four to six weeks to sell the club. And then the UK government would sanction him if Putin was still in Ukraine. However, what's happened very quickly is that Roman has realised it's very difficult to sell a £3 billion asset or a £1.5 billion asset, as some would value the club, for £3 billion on the quick. And you see, what's happened now is that Vladimir Putin and the Russian army have started bombing children's hospitals So the UK government were in an untenable position. They had to clamp down. So I think Eddie's right. I think he knew this was coming. He thought he had longer. So he tried to push the stewardship angle. Didn't work. Decided he had to sell the club. Didn't work. Realised it's not going to go quickly. All of a sudden, Putin takes the next step in his violent campaign. And Abramovich has been sanctioned. And I've seen, obviously, there's... The Abramovich uh, defenders are out there and they're saying, oh, but he's got no ties. We all know he has ties. He is a man who funds that Russian war machine. He is a man funding the Putin regime. He is a man funding a dictator currently occupying parts of another country and bombing Children's Hospital. He may not be doing it himself. He is part of the reason it's happening. And every bad thing that happens to Roman Roman Abramovich from here on is deserved. Do you really think this fellow was going around getting Portuguese citizenship and Israeli citizenship and trying to get this and that and the other thing because he likes collecting passports? No. No, that's not why he was doing it. Roman is a scumbag. That's all he is. He is a scumbag. He's a rich scumbag, but a scumbag nonetheless. And while I do have some sympathy for Chelsea fans because they woke up this morning, thought it was a normal day, thought, it's our club's birthday. And by the way, happy birthday to Chelsea FC. And the walls have come tumbling down for them. They have found themselves in a situation that none of them expected. They are the same group of people who chanted his name as tributes are paid to the Ukraine at Burnley at the weekend. But I do have sympathy for them because there is now a real risk of their club going through massively traumatic things in terms of administration, points deductions, more transfer bans, contract bans. And when you start to look at their squad, uh, things could get fairly dicey fairly quick because it's not just the players out of contract. This year, it's the players out of contract next year that start start to become doubtful. So this year, this year you've got Laqueta, Rudiger, and Christensen, plus Souls on loan. They won't be able to keep him. I don't think they'd want to. He hasn't exactly torn up trees, but he's had a really good couple of months when he's gotten opportunities. Uh, next year. Thiago Silva, Jorginho, Marcus Alonso, Ross Barkley, and Golo Kante. And they may not be able to extend any of them. The following year, it's Kovacic, Loftus-Cheek, Pulisic, Mount, Hudson-Odoi. You would imagine that those 2024 contracts, they'd have wanted to get down to extending them in the next couple of months. You don't really want to let players run into the last two years of their deals, especially 23 year olds like Pulisic and Mount, who might start looking at it and thinking, okay, well, I'll be, you know, 25, almost 26 in Pulisic's case, but I could be a free agent and I could command whatever I want. They might end up forcing their way out the door. What will it mean for Chelsea players? Do they want to be associated with a club like this, funded as they have been? Some of them, for certain, will not. You've also then got big question marks now looming regarding their commercial deals. Three who sponsor their shirts for £40 million a year have come out and said that their deal with Chelsea is under review. According to Nazar Kinsella, who covers Chelsea for gold.com, Chelsea's 40 million a year, three sponsorship is under review and industry experts are concerned more brands could follow them. So if three pulled the plug, that would obviously be a huge blow. If you were then to say lose your kit manufacturer this being Nike that would also be an enormous blow that would be somewhere in the region of a hundred million pounds a year between the two of those suddenly taken away from Chelsea and who's going to step in to fill the void if the circus remains around Chelsea if they're not sold if they do potentially hit administration if their finances dictate that this is not a viable business anymore, it's very hard to see where money would come from. Now, look, I don't want to see Chelsea Football Club or any football club go to the wall. I don't want to see any club go into administration. So I hope that some sort of resolution can be reached on this. I would hope that potentially... An agreement can be sought where maybe the company that is solely used as a lending company for Abramovich to Chelsea, maybe maybe that company can just be wound up. Maybe you just wind that company up, and you sell Chelsea as a separate entity. But who are you going to get? I mean, that's the thing. Who is going to buy the club? Many of the names linked thus far have not been what you would call promising in terms of their own track records in sports ownership. Vivek Ranadive, Woody Johnson, others like this. These are people who have shown complete incompetency when running football clubs or sports franchises as they are in the United States. Ranadive, it's the the NBA's Sacramento Kings. He is almost without any peer, the worst owner in the NBA. Woody Johnson is right up there at the top of the worst owners in the NFL list. I mean, the guy who owns the uh, Cincinnati Bengals the notorious cheapskate. Stephen Ross, who owns the Miami Dolphins, is the type of guy who offers Bonuses to his coach to purposely lose games, and we'll see if there's any ramifications from that. A hundred thousand per loss he was offering Brian Brian Flores last season, so that the Dolphins could get a better spot in the draft. Um, that's a hell that's a hell of an endeavor to undergo. Uh, it, a lot of the good owners in U.S. sports already have interests in. English football teams. You know, Mark Edens at, uh, of the Milwaukee Bucks and Aston Villa, Josh Harris, 76ers and Crystal Palace, people like this. Obviously, Stan Kroenke at Arsenal. But, you know, one thing all of these American owners have in common is profit and loss being Priority number one, you, you look at John Henry. John Henry might be the best owner in sports across multiple multiple disciplines. He owns the Pittsburgh Penguins that they've bought recently. Um, he's long owned the Boston Red Sox. He's overseen four World Series titles there and obviously owns Liverpool. Now, he's not the most popular person in terms of how the fans view him because he's very much a profit and loss orientated guy. So he doesn't spend a whole lot of money. He insists that the club, each club, is self-sustaining and only spends what they earn. Now, again, from a business point of view, I think he's maybe the best owner out there. From a fan's point of view, he's definitely not. Now, Chelsea could get a John Henry type, But that's not a Roman type. And given Chelsea, as things stand, lose money year on year on year on year, well, there would have to be serious cutbacks to transfer spend, wage spend. And where does that leave Chelsea then? Because Chelsea don't generate anywhere in the region of the type of money that Liverpool generate. Only Manchester City generate the same type of revenue as Liverpool's. I'm sorry, Manchester United. Manchester City claim they do, but nobody actually believes that. Chelsea are well below. So if Chelsea were to have to act as a real business and only spend what they make, well, unfortunately for Chelsea... You're no longer competing with Liverpool and the Manchester Clubs. Now you're competing with Arsenal and with Spurs for fourth. That's your ceiling. That's where you're going to live. You might have success in the domestic cups, but the years of winning Premier League titles and Champions Leagues, well, they're probably over if you get an owner. And that's assuming you get a good owner. That's assuming you get a John Henry. What if you get a Glazers? Well, they're going to be taking a lot of money out of the club. John Henry doesn't take money out of Liverpool. Doesn't put it in, but doesn't take it out. The Glazers don't put it in, but they take it out. They take it out all the time. And what if you get one of them? They're incompetent. If Manchester United didn't have the level of budget that they have, They'd be finishing 7th and 8th and ninth in the division every year. They may well end up finishing 6th this year, potentially even lower. That could be Chelsea's future. You get a bad owner who comes in and is an idiot and appoints bad people, such as what's happened at Manchester United. John Henry's appointed really good people at Liverpool. The Glazers have appointed morons at Manchester United. So if they get a Glazers type owner, which is what Woody Johnson would be, or what Vivek Ranadive would be, I mean, Vivek Ranadive might appoint John Terry as CEO. By the way, shout out to John Terry, peddling your NFTs, uh, which have dropped 90% in value in a fortnight. And the players such as Tammy Abraham and Ashley Cole, who, who got involved and were excited to join the team, they have very, very quietly deleted said tweets and Instagram posts and no more will be mentioned. John Terry has changed his avatar on uh, social media back to a picture, I think it's him and Abramovich or something. But um, yeah, there's been very little mention of said NFT, which, Maybe hints that it was a little bit of a scam and that John Terry might want to be investigated for his involvement in said scam. And that maybe loyal Chelsea fans who went and spent nearly £700 on what is basically a JPEG have lost a fortune because they're now worth £70. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Shout out to John Terry. But yeah, Vivek Ranadevi would probably appoint John. He appointed He's he's I so bad. I mean, Vivek Granadevi once walked into a coach's meeting and suggested that what the team should do. Now, maybe some people don't follow basketball, but for those who who don't, uh, basketball is a five-on-five sport in which all five players attack and defend as a unit. Vivek Granadevi walked into a coach's meeting, a coach's meeting, and suggested that what what Sacramento Kings should do is. On defense, they should only bring back four players, leave one player up the court as a quote-unquote cherry picker so that if and when they won the ball back, they could just pass it long and that person would get easy dunks and layups. And his logic for this was that he'd seen it in an under-12 girls basketball match. This is what you're dealing with. He appointed Vladi Divac to a very important role within the organisation. The man had no qualifications for the role, was an absolute abomination, and stayed in the role for far longer than he should have, which is why I suggest he would put John Terry in a role of importance. Uh, it's why owners like him or why people like Rio Ferdinand think they could work in a director football role, because there'll always be a fool who'll appoint someone like them for cachet and for, you know, that bit of clout. Um, I don't think Chelsea are going to be getting out of this mess anytime soon. Now, obviously, a lot will just depend on how long these sanctions last for. It may well be that in a couple of weeks, Putin backs out of, of Ukraine, that things happen there and that he becomes the focus of sanctions and, in truth, should be getting marched to The Hague for... Uh, you know, war crimes and stuff. But who knows? Who knows how long these sanctions will last? At the moment, they're due to last, I believe, till the end of May. But in all likelihood, they'll get extended beyond that. And in all likelihood, the likes of Christians and Aspilicueta and Rudiger will sign contracts elsewhere in the meantime. Because the other thing to consider with those three players and with others is Chelsea without Roman's finances, are not going to be able to operate the same way they have, which, as I said earlier, is loss-making year on year. Chelsea are going to have to tighten the purse strings, which means that the idea of paying Rudiger 250 grand a week is out the window. Now they'll likely have to go in at something like half that. And despite the fact that he's nowhere near what he's made out to be, he will get more than that elsewhere. And I don't imagine he's got massive loyalty to the club because it's not all that long ago. He was demanding to leave under Frank Lampard. He was asking to leave. So I don't think it's a case that he's massively tied to Chelsea. I think he's tied to his own career, which is what he should be. We'll have more on this, obviously as the story develops and I mean, as things stand, it just does not look very, very good for Chelsea at all. And that tweet from Ed Thompson, who, like I say, is not one for hyperbole, not one for hot, hot takes. Just to repeat it, the Chelsea FC holding company owes Roman Abramovich £1.5 billion. That's now frozen, and I don't believe he can write it off at this time, even if he wants to. So no one will buy the club with that hanging over it. The club is loss-making, so for what it's worth, I expect the club to go into administration. Now, on the plus side, at least Chelsea would not be in a situation where they would get relegated due to administration. They're, they're not going to get deducted enough points So they'd still be a Premier League club, but what type of Premier League club would they be? Uh, We'll move on. We'll move on. We had Champions League action last night. Manchester City took on Sporting Lisbon. Despite Peps crying, he lined up with Ederson uh, in goal. That's 35 million of goalkeeper, uh, 100 million of centre backs in Stones and Laporte. Young Egan Riley got a start at right-back. Zinchenko, Ukrainian international, played left-back. Bernardo Silva, Fernandinho and Gundogan in midfield. That's roughly in the region of about 150 million worth of players. and Most of that, obviously, between Gundogan and Bernardo. And then Gabriel Jesus, Phil Foden and Raheem Sterling up front. Interesting, very interesting, that despite the fact he signed Grealish to play as an eight, he didn't use this game to play him as an eight. In fact, he didn't play him at all. Grealish, Rodri, De Bruyne and Riyad Mahrez all on the bench. That's about another 100 million, 160, 220. I believe City paid about 275 million for those four. So, you know, poor old Pep working on a shoestring. Uh, Scott Carson on the bench brought home as a sub. A uh, nice little moment for him getting some Champions League action. City through after a 0-0. City with a better team. The game was quite boring. And as I said to you, it wasn't one you should have wasted your time watching. I did tell you to watch Real Madrid versus PSG. And if you did, you can thank me later. Killing Mbappe put PSG one up on 39 minutes. Pass from Neymar, but Mbappe does all the hard work and uh, scores an absolute stunner. Mbappe almost had them two up. This is or nine, il fenomeno, at his best type of stuff. Ball across, dummy step over in front of the goalkeeper, keepers flailing around, Thibaut Cour- Courtois as well, not some schmuck, flailing around on the floor, taps at home, but he was offside. PSG two up in control. You're thinking this is over. Ancelotti's got it wrong today. He played Nacho at left-back, a right footed centre-back, and David Alaba, probably the best left-back of the last decade at centre-back. I don't care about your passing angles. I don't care about distribution. That is stupid, especially when you've got Danny Carvajal struggling on the other side. He went Valverde, Cruz and Modric in midfield. You've got no real ball winner in the middle of the park there because you're playing Valverde box-to-box. And as good as Tony Cruz is, defence isn't his thing. It's, he's good positionally. But he doesn't have the legs. He's not a strong tackler. That's not his thing. Modric is just a magician. We won't say anymore. He went with Asensio, Benzema and Vinicius Jr. I don't know what Asensio is doing to get this start of the team, but every time I watch him, he's disappointing to me. PSG lined up Donnarumma, Hakimi, Marquinhos, Kempembe and Mendes at the back. Barring Kempembe, that's a hell of a backline. President Kimbembe is the same defender now he was in 2018. He's never developed, he's never shook the uh, the errors and inconsistencies out of his game. I don't know what it is they do at PSG, but they don't develop players. He went with Danilo, uh, Pochettino that is, went with Danilo Danilo Pereira, Leandro Paredes and uh, Verratti in midfield. Verratti is just a joy to watch every time. And then a front three of Messi, Neymar and Mbappe, which Steve McManaman, always one for something stupid to say, said is the best front three of all time. Now, maybe on paper, maybe if you could cross generations, but in reality, absolutely not. Messi was not really a factor. Neymar, not really a factor. Mbappe was a nightmare all game long. But that team was doing enough. That team was working until Ancelotti made his changes. He brings on Lucas Vasquez, a right back, He brings on Rodrigo for Asensio, makes them more direct. And he brings on Eduardo Camavinga for Tony Cruz, makes them more dynamic in midfield, better pressing, and all of a sudden the game changes. Benzema makes it one on 61. Benzema again on 76. The meltdown, the capitulation is on. PSG are doing what PSG do and falling apart. Kickoff. From that second goal, ball given away, rail go right down the pitch. Marquinhos wins possession back. It's a weak clearance, falls straight to Benzema, and it's three, and that's it. It's 3 1, 3 2 in aggregate. Benzema hat trick in 17 minutes, 17 minutes of madness from PSG, and out go the Parisians. And potentially out will go Pochettino as well. It's very hard to see him hanging on to a job that he hasn't exactly impressed in since taking over. Didn't win the league last year. Will win it this year, but the league is weak this year and he's not exactly running away with it in the manner that you'd expect, considering the talent gulf between what he has and what everybody else has. And uh, obviously they're out of the Champions League. And of course, this brings us to the question of Are PSG ever going to win the Champions League? Is this really the path to winning it? Rumours after the game, or reports I should say after the game, that their owner and sporting director, the sporting director being Leonardo, who's an idiot, were seeing screaming at people. The owner was seeing hitting somebody. All of this was filmed because Real Madrid were recording for Inside the Bernabeu. And um, yeah, not a good look for PSG. And we know that Mbappe is likely to leave this summer on a free transfer. So that transfer, £168 million, has yielded no European Cups and no return on investment. Neymar, £200 million, no European Cups, no return on investment. And the guy is a part-time player. And last night I spent far too long arguing with children on Twitter that Neymar is, in fact, not one of the greatest players ever, which is what they claim, but he is the most disappointing player of the last 20 years. And I will stand by that. Neymar is the single most disappointing player of the last 20 years. I saw that kid at Santos, and I knew how special he was. I knew how special he could be. And when he joined Barcelona, his path was really clear. You're the one you're the one that the torch will be passed to. When Lionel Messi is no longer the best player in the world, it will be because you're the best player in the world. You will take that torch. Messi will transition into a different stage of his career and he will aid you. It'll be your show with him in support. And it never happened. It never happened. He had two great years at Barcelona, 14-15 and 15-16. They're the only two great years of his career outside of Brazil. Outside of Brazil. 2012 in Brazil, he was sensational. 2011, he was very good as well. I believe that's the year he won the Copa Libertadores. That's the only time Neymar has won a real club competition with real opponents and been the best player. Because you see, when he went to Barcelona, he walked into a team with Messi and Iniesta, Busquets, Dani Alves, then Suarez arrived. And you see, normally in sports, we talk about, you know, a great player and a sidekick. So say Jordan and Pippen. Jordan was Batman, Pippen was Robin. Magic and Kareem. Kareem was Mag- was Batman early, then Magic was Batman early, and the roles... Of- Batman late, and then the roles switched. Bird and McHale. Bird was Batman, McHale was Robin. Tom Brady, Randy Moss. Tom Brady was Batman. Randy Moss wouldn't like to be classified as Robin, but that's who he was. LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Kobe Bryant and Shaq. Shaq was Batman, Kobe was Robin. Kobe didn't like that. They began to switch roles. Shaq didn't like that. Shaq went Shaq went to Miami. Shaq and D-Wade. In football it's the same, you know. You can look at many clubs. It's not always the best players, but Gerrard and Carragher, Lampard and Terry. One is Batman, one is Robin. So what was Neymar at Barcelona? What was he? well, let's have a look. Messi was the best player. Suarez was the second best player. So he was neither Batman nor Robin. What he was, was he was Alfred. He was the butler. And what people want to tell you that Neymar was this incredible thing at Barcelona, he was never any more than the fourth best player at Barcelona, because in those two years, Busquets is better than them as well. So you've got Messi as Batman, Suarez as Robin, Busquets is the dude who designs all the fancy toys. Morgan Freeman played him in the Christian uh, Christopher Nolan trilogy. And Neymar is Alfred. Neymar is the butler in this situation. And Neymar didn't like that. So Neymar took his toys. And went to PSG at the age of 25. And has done dick all since. Yeah, the first season was good. 28 goals in 30 games. He's gotten worse every season at Barcelona. He's currently having the worst season of his career. He's just there in 30. And he's done. His prime years, he got worse every year. He declined in his prime. Year on year, he declined in his prime. And in truth, if you look at his career, fourteen fifteen was his apex. Got worse the next year, worse the next year, plateaued for a year and then got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And I saw someone say Kaka has a bigger legacy than Neymar. And I I don't even understand why you'd need to say that. Of course he does. Kaka was the best player in the world at one point. Now people like to say, oh, he flopped at Real Madrid. Okay, fair. But he also had a serious injury, which he needed surgery for, wasn't allowed to get the surgery, and it healed naturally but wrong and it completely altered his game it took away his speed and his burst so when you say he flopped make sure you factor in the injury that he had that quad injury was never treated properly he was made play through it and then he was made let it heal naturally when he finally got the surgery on it nothing could be done so Kaká was a much better player than Neymar. Neymar was a more is a more talented player than Kaká was. The question of Neymar's talent has never been in, never been in question. Neymar like Pogba, outrageously talented. And if I can pull another NBA reference in here, Neymar is the Kyrie Irving of football. Outrageous talent. Put on a very high pedestal at a very young age. Massive expectations at a very young age. One early as the second or third option behind a truly great player. Kyrie had LeBron, Neymar had Messi and Suarez, and Busquets and Iniesta, but Messi and Suarez. Didn't like not having the spotlight shine directly on them. Forced their way to a new situation. Promised a lot and delivered nothing. Now, people will say, oh, well, how can you say he's delivered nothing when he's won three league titles with PSG and he'll win a fourth this year? Do you think they couldn't have won those titles without him? They'd been winning them before he got there. The same thing goes for the Cups. They'd been winning them before he got there. He was brought from Barcelona to win a Champions League. And he hasn't done it. He hasn't done it. And you'll get, Simpletons will say, but look at his record for Brazil. He's going to be their top ever scorer. Do you think I care that he scores in friendlies against Peru and whoever else? Show me, show me his World Cup numbers. You can't. What's his World Cup legacy? What's his World Cup legacy? What has Neymar done at a World Cup? You look at his numbers here, right? He scored 70 goals for Brazil, 42 of them in friendlies. What am I meant to be impressed by? 27 goals in competitive games? What's he won for Brazil? A Summer Olympics? A Confederations Cup? Back in 2013. What am I impressed by here? Zero Copa Americas. Zero World Cups. What am I to be impressed by? Him winning the Olympics? That's what you want me to be impressed by? Nwanku Kanu won multiple Olympics. Why would I be impressed by an Olympic gold medal? the top players don't go to the Olympics. It's under 23s and a couple of others who are desperate for success. Get out of here with your Olympic nonsense. 2014 World Cup. What happens? What does Neymar do? This is in Brazil, by the way. He gets injured. Like he always does. He gets injured. And Germany wiped the floor with them. 7 1 in a semi final. Well, he's not there. So, what am I meant to be impressed by here? Am I meant to be impressed by a flick, a trick? Zero goals or assists in a knockout phase game in that Olympics for Neymar. Zero. In the group stage, and remember, Mexico, Croatia, and Cameroon. So a fairly strong group. He scored two goals against Croatia, one of them a penalty. He didn't score against Mexico. And he scored two goals against Cameroon. So I'm meant to be impressed by his World Cup legacy of three group stage goals One of them a penalty. Oh, I'm sorry. Four group stage goals. Four group stage goals. How? How could I ever get that so wrong? Four group stage goals. This is his World Cup legacy. In 2018, Brazil were eliminated at the quarterfinal stage. He did not score in the game against Belgium. Uh, In their round of 16 game, he scored one goal against Mexico. So he's got one knockout goal in his World Cup career. And it was against Mexico, who aren't very good. In 2018, they were in a group with Switzerland, Serbia and Costa Rica. He didn't score against Switzerland. He scored in the 97th minute against Costa Rica when the game was already won. And he didn't score against Serbia. So I'm meant to be impressed by Neymar's World Cup legacy. Because somebody had said to me, Kaka has no World Cup legacy. Neymar has six goals. One of them in the knockout stage. Like, what are you talking about? This guy is the biggest waste of talent of the last 25 years. He should, at his current age, 30, be the best player in the world. He's nowhere close. He's not even top 10 because he doesn't play enough. Last season, in all competitions, he played 31 games. That's the most he's played for PSG in a season. 30, 28, 27, 31, 19 so far this season. He's not going to play another European game and he'll probably play I don't know, five to eight of the remaining league games if he doesn't decide to go on holiday. He scored four goals this year, by the way. Four, none in the Champions League. This is your hero. This is your best player. No goals in the Champions League this season. Four in four. He got nine in the French League last year. Nine. You put Mo Salah in the French League, he'd score nine by accident. You put Benzema or Lewandowski there. They run up double figures in a couple of games. Get out of here with this nonsense. He is the single most overrated player on planet Earth. Incredible talent. Incredibly gifted footballer. Doesn't care about the game. He's a pain in the arse. And if PSG were ever honest about it, I bet they regret that transfer because he's been nothing but a problem since he got there. He hasn't delivered what he was brought to do and he hasn't really delivered anything else either. If if we're all being honest, he hasn't delivered anything at all. Nothing that wouldn't have been won without him. You're telling me Mbappe couldn't have won those titles? And that's the funniest part of it all is that he went to PSG to be the guy and then they signed Mbappe and he's back in his shadow you're never going to be the guy playing for a club in Paris when there's also the golden boy of French football who's from Paris at the club as well. He's been second fiddle at his own club ever since he left Santos. Second fiddle at best. Because if I look at that PSG team, He's at best the third best player because give me Verratti over him. Get out of here. What nonsense. What nonsense. PSG out. Football wins. I would say cheaters never prosper, but we know that they do. But farmers, farmers don't prosper. In the Europa League, Porto lost 1-0 to Leon. Uh, a goal there for Lucas Paqueta in the 59th minute. Great win for Porto away from home. Massive win for Eintracht Frankfurt in Betis. Kostic put them one up. Nabil Fakir equalised on 30. But Kamada, Daichi Kamada, made it 2-1 in the 32nd minute to give Eintracht a massive, massive victory and send them home with the advantage. Today, we have Sevilla versus West Ham. That one is the 5.45 kickoff. Should be a belter. The only game at 5.45 because orby leipzig versus spartak moscow was cancelled moscow had been kicked out of the competition and leipzig get a bye through to the next stage which seems a little bit unfair seems like maybe we could have found a way to get somebody in to that opportunity but it is what it is barcelona will play galatasaray rangers will will play red star belgrade braga will play monaco and atalanta versus leverkusen i think might be the tie of the round certainly in terms of how much fun those games should be. Those four are all at 8pm. I I would say watch Sevilla-West Ham, then watch Atalanta-Leverkusen. I think that is the way to go today. We also have uh, Europa Conference League games, for anyone who cares about them. Four of them at 5.45. Partizan Belgrade versus Feyenoord. Slavia Prague versus LASK. Vietas Arnhem versus Roma. PAOK versus Ghent, and then at 8pm, you get PSV Eindhoven versus Copenhagen, Bodo Glimt versus AZ Alkmaar, Leicester versus Wren in what is probably the tie of the round, and Marseille versus Ball, which also kicks off at eight, 8 o'clock. So those are your games for tonight. Plenty on offer. Like I said, I would go West Ham-Seville and then At Atlanta, Leverkusen. I think that's the the best course of action. We'll take a break there. When we come back, we've got a bit of news to go through and we've got the gossip and we'll be done for today. No real time for listeners questions, unfortunately, because the Chelsea uh, shenanigans basically hijacked today's show. Uh, But I will get to them at some point. I promise that. So I'll see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. Uh, apologies to KR99 Barnsey AMK 2889, Tiberius Sportsball, Isaac Gilding, Tom James A83, and I have a couple of others here that got sent in. Uh, Stephen Smith and Alex Sap- Sapopo. Um I, I do apologize. I just don't have the time today to get into the questions the way I'd want to. So I will do them one of the days next week. I think that's the only thing I can do. I'll do them like maybe Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. And then there'll be no, another Thursday show for more questions or just leave them there and I'll get to them Thursday. Um, but I will get to them. I, I do promise that. I should have also pointed out before the break there are, of course, Premier League games tonight which is very exciting. We've got four games from the Premier League tonight. Three of them kick off at 7.30. So you get from match day 19, Wolves versus Watford. Wolves obviously in a bit of a rough situation at the moment. Things not gone particularly well for them in the last couple of games, but you would still expect them to overcome Watford. Wolves 8th in the league, Watford, 19th in the league. Watford have lost two of the last three. They did get a draw at Old Trafford, but they're not exactly playing tremendous football. Uh, in terms of injuries and suspensions, Wolves, no Semedo, no Hoiver. Watford, no Nkulu. Gakia is a doubt. Sar is out. King and Trust Okong are both doubts as well. From match day 20, this one is the 7.45 kickoff. Leeds at home to Aston Villa. So 16th place Leeds at home to 11th place Villa. Leeds getting good news in terms of their injuries. It looks like Bamford should be okay to play tonight, not just be on the bench for moral support. Uh, Liam Cooper is back in full training. But Calvin Phillips is a little bit behind and we've heard from Jesse Marsh that he might not be back until after the international break. That's a big blow for Leeds. But getting Cooper back helps, getting Kell back will help whenever he's ready. Um, oh no, he's done. He is done for the season. It looks like Leo Kjeld is done for the season and Tyler Roberts is also done for the season. I'm guessing playing on with a torn hamstring is what's caused that. For Aston Villa, Marvellous Nakamba is the only one out there expecting him back after the international break. Leeds at home with the crowd, new manager. I, I think I'm going to go draw in that one. I'll go with, with a 2-2 draw. I think it'll be fun. Uh, you'd obviously go Wolves to beat Watford. I'll go 2-0. Uh, that one is from week Match day 20 that leads uh, leads Villa one. For match day 21, it's Southampton versus Newcastle at St. Mary's. So Saints obviously have been going well, but got walloped by Villa last time out. They're currently ninth. Toon are the second most informed team in the league, I believe, after Liverpool, tied with Arsenal. Four wins and a draw from the last five. I think it's five wins and a draw from the last six, something like that. Up to 14th, looking good. Uh, Heading into this game, Newcastle will be without Federico Fernandez. They will be without Isaac Hayden, Kieran Trippier, Callum Wilson, and Jamal Lewis. But they're hopeful that Matt Ritchie might recover. We'll have to wait and see. Saints, no Lyanko. He's out for another month or so. Nathan Teller is a doubt. Salisu, they're hoping, hoping he's going to be able to play. And Alex McCarthy still ruled out. But, I mean, he wouldn't be starting anyway because Forster has been better than him across the course of the season. I'll go for a draw in this game. I'll go 1-1. I think this will be a decent game. And then finally, we get Norwich versus Chelsea. Uh, This one from into the future. (laughs) Norwich at home to Chelsea. Bottom place Norwich and turmoil engulfed Chelsea. You'd have to fancy Chelsea to win the game. Now, obviously, injury-wise, no Aspy No, he's back, sorry, Aspy's back. No Chilwell and no Reese James, who's picked up another muscle injury this time in the other leg. Uh, these things can be linked if he was overcompensating. Maybe he's damaged to the leg, but he could be out now for a few weeks which is obviously a big, big blow to Chelsea, who look a much better team when Reese James plays. Uh, For Norwich, Billy Gilmore can't play because he's owned by Chelsea. Adam Adéa is done for the season. And Andrew Andrew Obamadeli is out for another couple of weeks. So we await on news from him. Despite all that's going on, you'd have to fancy Chelsea to win that one fairly comfortably. Uh, So we'll say 3-0 for Chelsea. What else do we have? Obviously, there's lots and lots going on with regards to Abramovich. There are some reports that Pochettino will be dismissed as manager of Paris Saint-Germain in the coming days and could potentially find his way to Manchester United. There's a piece about about um, Karim Benzema that's worth your while having a read. Ukraine's FA wants ex-Captain Tomashik punished for not speaking out against the Russian oh former Ukraine captain Anatoly Tomashik should be stripped of his coaching license and titles because of his role at Senate St. Petersburg the country's football association says the 42 year old has been an assistant coach at the Russian club since 2017 he is yet to speak out against the Russian invasion of his homeland. His conscientious choice to continue at Zenith damages the image of Ukrainian football, says the Ukrainian Association of Football. Tomasik, of course, played for Zenith twice, uh, either side of a spell at Bayern Munich. Does have a lot of ties to the area. And I mean, I don't know what his family situation is is his wife. No, his wife is Ukrainian. I thought maybe, maybe he might be married to a Russian lady and not wanting to speak out. Um, yeah, not ideal, not ideal. Uh, he's definitely going to have to make a conscious decision soon if he hasn't already made one. Uh, British multi-millionaire Candy exploring bid for Chelsea. This is Nick Candy. Um, He's a boyhood Chelsea club and he's trying to form a consortium, but he doesn't have the money himself to go anywhere close to buying Chelsea, but maybe he can put together a consortium. going to be far more difficult with the recent news. Jamie Vardy is set to be out for a number of weeks with a knee injury, says Brendan Rodgers. Uh, I wouldn't trust Brendan if he told me the sky was blue. So, you know, we'll wait and see what happens there. And that is basically all of that. It is all Chelsea, folks. It is all Chelsea door to door. So I'm not going to spend any more time on that today. We'll just wrap up with the gossip. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo and his agent have held talks over their future over his future at Old Trafford. Uh, you've got a contract, son. That's your future. Uh, Bayern Munich's thirty-three-year-old Polish striker Robert Lewandowski is attracting the attention of Manchester United. Leon striker Musa Dembélé is another striker United are looking at, with twenty-five-year-old reportedly available for twenty-five million. I do, lo- I do like Musa Dembélé. I don't know that he's good, good enough to play for Manchester United. Stephen Gerrard once asked Aston Villa to exercise their option to sign Phil Coutinho for. £33.5 million. Pounds. However, the 29-year-old Brazilian, who is impressed during, during his loan spell, must cut his £480,000 a week wages to join. Of course he has to cut that. There's only one club in England that'd be stupid enough to play to pay him that, and that's United, who aren't going to get him. Villa may also target Calum, Calvin Phillips, if Leeds are relegated. I, I can see the appeal. He would be ideal for them. He'll have better offers, unfortunately. Aston Villa are interested in signing... Aston Villa. Atletico Madrid are interested in signing Emerson Royal from Tottenham. They do need a right back. I don't think Tottenham will sell this early, but if they can find a way to get good money for him, maybe it's worth moving on. Maybe they just decide to cut their losses. Juventus are set to decide whether to offer Paulo Dybala a contract extension or push to bring Paul Pogba back to the club. Give Dybala his extension. Let Pogba go and annoy somebody else. Uh, Chelsea boss Thomas Tuchel has urged Christian Andreas Christensen to turn down Barcelona. Might not have a choice now. Tottenham could offer Cameron Carter Vickers or Harry Winks to Southampton as part of a deal for Tina Livermore. Why would they want Cameron Carter Vickers? Cameron Carter Vickers is a decent championship slash Scottish Premiership defender. He's not a Premier League defender. He wouldn't be anywhere close to the Southampton team. He'd be their fifth centre-back because even Jack Stevens is better than him. So this is nonsense. Winks, I could see, but I don't think they'll sell Livermento this summer. Paris Saint-Germain are interested in signing Barcelona centre-back Ronald Arreo. Everybody is interested in signing Ronald Arreo. Everybody. Is interested. England left back Luke Shaw is keen to sign a new deal. Of course he is. Of course he is. He saw he was he's on the gravy train. And Luke Shaw loves his gravy. So he wants to get more of it. Arsenal have made signing two strikers and a midfielder a priority. They may also target a new winger, left side centre back, and right back. They need a backup right back behind Tommyyasu. They need a backup left side centre back because Mari was sent out on loan. They do they need a winger? I, I don't really think they need a winger. So I'm not really sure why they would want a winger, but they do silly things all the time. A midfielder, yeah, they need a, a sitting, dictating midfield or someone that can provide some sort of ball-winning ability. Um two strikers obviously is needed because they'll lose Enketti and they'll lose Lacazette, and they're the new two strikers they've got left hanging around. Uh, Sevilla have increased Diego Carlos's release clause. Have they? Has he signed a new contract? Did he say, I don't think he signed a new contract, did he? Let's have a quick gander. Uh, while we're looking for that, Manch, um, Atletico Madrid are front runners to sign Bubicar Camara. He's really good. Really, really good. And I, I think that would be a great signing for Atletico and a great move for him. Uh, no, he has not signed a new contract. So I'm not sure how his release clause would be increased. Uh, Spanish winger Brian Hill could stay on, could stay at Valencia next season. Yeah, it would need to be alone, though. Uh, Dutch midfielder Ryan Gravenberch is open to joining Barcelona from Ajax this summer, according to the spoofer, which is, you know, a bit like saying that everybody would be in open to joining Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona. Um, Yeah, that's it. That is me for today, folks. I will speak to you all tomorrow. And uh, take care of yourselves for the rest of the day. Again, apologies for not getting to the questions, but I will will come back to you and uh, get those questions answered in the coming days. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye. network